You're listening to Page by Page on the Let's Hear It Network, where I'm talking to Anna Seastone about ceramics, nonprofits, and astral projection. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Page by Page here on Let's Hear It Network. Wow. W-O-W, wow. I can't believe who I'm sitting down with right now. I'm sitting down with Anna Seastone, virtually, um, of course. Uh, and Anna's a fucking badass, which is why I asked you to be on the show. Anna, welcome. Hi. <laughs> that was very oh, high pitched. Uh, it's my first podcast. So I'm like, ooh, I'm a little nervous and excited. Hi. You can also go low. You could do a nice, like, hi. Hello. That sounds, oh, that sounds good. That sounds good in the headphones. But no, natural speaking voice, also lovely, uh, of course. So Anna is a born and raised New Yorker. She's a cat caretaker to her two cats, Andre 3000 and Big Boy. Hell yeah. She's a ceramicist and she's an amazing ceramicist. I have one of your pieces, actually. Um, She has been working in in and out of school time programs for over 10 years in New York and internationally. She's a bike rider, but not a dick about it. Uh, She's a former musician and a polyglot lot which she just told me means someone who speaks multiple languages it is Fant- yes <laughs> it, it is that uh what languages do you speak on um i speak although i can't actually claim one of them so i speak spanish portuguese i learned italian and i spoke it fluently many moons ago and hindi which i learned living in india because because th- that's what you gotta learn that's what you do Whole- like okay we're three minutes in mind already blown okay so you uh so a little context Anna and I know each other because we used to work together and I was always just like she's so cool oops I just hit the hit the door of my closet from which I'm recording (laughs) um so I was like Anna is the coolest I just want to hear about her and her life so how did you end up in India what was that what was the story of that um so I actually I also just noticed that Paige is wearing one of the coveted Bernie Sanders with the mask uh sweatshirts and I'm very jealous right now I just saw that and I was like oh my god that's awesome I'm I wish I had one of those by the time I found out it was so loud and I like hey I'm trying I appreciate that. I'm trying to reconcile my like my inner anti-capitalist with the fact that I like bought a sweatshirt with like a democratic socialist on it. I'm just going to go for it. Go I get bad it. looks in the supermarket, but I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I like it. Zero fucks. Anyway, so anyway. enough about Bernie. Sa- so Bernie Sanders <laughs> is staring at you currently through yes. the screen saying, oh, Anna, so what, what did you do in India? Um. So I... After I finished grad school, I wanted to work in international edu- education, and I thought it would be really fucked up if I was a person who my cat just oh they're just playing they made a loud noise. Um, <laughs> I just felt like it was wrong, or there was something wrong with going to, into international education. I've always been against like big international organizations doing things because I felt like they care more about themselves than they do the people they serve. Anyway, so I wanted to work in a country that was not the U.S. because I thought it was wrong to say how or and it's still wrong to say how somebody else should live especially if you don't understand any of the context in which they are living. Um, So I just applied for a bunch of jobs and I randomly found the Akanksha Foundation. Can I say the name of yeah yeah Yeah. whatever you want it was awesome um so I found um Akanksha and I interviewed and I got a visa and I picked up and I moved and for no other reason than it was an international organization I didn't really I knew nothing about it so what did you what did you do there like what I don't know anything about the organization it used to be um an after-school program for children who go to Marathi medium schools. Marathi is the local language of Maharashtra, um, which is the state I lived in. And if you go to a Marathi medium school, more than likely you are poor. Um, So it taught them English. And in India, um, if you speak English, the likelihood of you getting a better job or a well-paying job increases exponentially. So um, while I don't necessarily adhere to, like, you must learn English programs, I understood the need for it. So uh, I did teacher training and curriculum development because most of the teachers that we found in this after-school program were former engineers, mostly women, who were returning to, who were returning to the workforce after they 
had kids or their kids were old enough. Um, it, we had two men in the whole time that I was working there. Mm-hmm. Um, so primarily women and non-teachers. And so how do you use activity-based learning? How do you use engaging activities as opposed to rote memorization? And so re-teaching how to teach. Wow. Well, uh, that was so much amazing stuff. I'll be honest. I'm a little bit, I'm like, where do we even start to dig in? Okay. So like, uh, oh, okay. Choose your own adventure. So um, (laughs) we can, I'm very curious about the, this idea of like how you work. Number one, what did you study in graduate school? Um, I did nonprofit uh, public public administration. I know what I studied. Um, yeah, I got my master's <laughs> in public administration and nonprofit management. Okay, awesome. So, so uh, the idea of uh, a company like working for a place that serves like serves and works with people internationally, but like don't know anything about that culture and like kind of the fucked up nonprofit world. We can talk about that oh, and. Yeah. Uh, talking about, uh, well, we can talk about whatever the fuck we want, but I'm also very interested in this idea of like myself having worked in the nonprofit world, us meeting there where is majority women and how exploitative it is in terms of like how much the industry exploits the workers. Um, so I guess like what was your understanding of the nonprofit world, so to speak, when you for fresh out of grad school? Oh, I was very disillusioned. I was like, oh, so I come from teaching and mm-hmm. I had, a, I was in a really shitty school and the principal wasn't kind or nice or supportive and turned the teacher's lounge into her office. Um, so I was like, I'm not, this is not where I want to have my impact. And actually, if I could go back, I would probably have stayed if I knew what I know now, maybe. Okay. Um, but I wanted to change the system from the inside. And I was like very young and ambitious. And I was like, I'm going to do all these things. And very quickly realized that I am nothing and nobody. I have zero connections. And I can't. Um, mm. And also, I have no right. <laughs> like, I have no right to. And I didn't actually, it took a very long time to realize I have no right. Um, to change the system at B. Well, systems. first of all, burn the system down um, because it's a system. Fuck it. And we're not talking about just the system of nonprofits here. Exactly. We're talking about all major systems all of major control. Systems. Because you can't change the system according to the rules of the system because it's still all of it. All of it is based in white supremacy, colonialist mentality of white, Protestant, cisgender males. That mm-hmm. is the norm. And everybody else has to adhere, adhere to that, no matter what. And I, it's like, yes, white women as well. I am a white woman, so I like, yeah, we're all we are all responsible. We are all brought up in this system, so we all adhere to these things. So it has to be all burned down, and we have to find like some way. Again, this is not just the nonprofit system, but like, yeah. Anyway, that was a big rant side. No, not at all. Like, and, and, and especially when you bring up that kind of like cis male Protestantism, uh, Protestant kind of viewpoint, um, I'm curious is like, is philanthropy a product of the United States? Like at what, you know, cause I think of like the history of philanthropy, you know, I think back to like the church, but what, what the fuck were they doing honestly in Europe? <laughs> like, were they really like doing good stuff? And then I think back to like orphanages and stuff like that. Like, I don't understand the history of the nonprofit world. Do you know anything about about, like what how it came to be what we know it as today which for people who are not engaged in the nonprofit world we'll get to that in a second and why it's fucked up but for now do you know can you tell us anything about the history of the nonprofit I actually world don't know and i think it's really interesting to bring up the i mean it's a it's like a tax break um for and, sure um i mean it used to be a bigger one than it is now which is interesting um my cat just brought me a cap and he wants me to, they fetch. Um, <laughs> uh, so actually, I, yeah, I don't really know the history of it. I think I did at one point and I swiftly forgot. No, I apologize for putting you on the spot. I just got really curious about, um, about like where it comes from and why it is the way that it is today. And maybe we can talk about kind of where the nonprofit world is today in terms of um, that kind of cynical viewpoint that perhaps you had of like, here's all the reasons it's fucked up. And now like where you're at now, I don't know if you're 
like talking about the right to change that system. So like, okay, let's start with the fact that nonprofits are very fucked up. Like they're run by mostly white cis male people, like in terms of the people who are not only run them, but are on their boards, like super corporate, uh, underpay their employees, like like next to nothing, you know, um, Anna, what other what other elements of the nonprofit world am I missing here that are super exploitative? Um, oh, everything. Oh, white like, saviory. White saviory. They exploit the people that they're supposedly trying to support, which I think is. Yes. I mean, yes, exploit the workers, but the workers are primarily white women and come from like, like, yeah, you're underpaying everybody. But like the system of and this gets into the system is that the generally the people who are interning are middle class white women. And Mm -hmm. they can afford to take the unpaid internships, which then get you into a place of power, which then allows you to perpetuate the system. Yes, Um, yes. So exploiting the workers, exploiting the people, um, a lot of the, most of them uh, participate in poverty porn. um, Mm -hmm. Having been a communications person mm -hmm. and done some of that work with social media, it's all about the poverty porn, which is really disgusting. And then you end up being complacent in in a system that is clearly just terrible for and but this is the thing, though. So like you have worked in nonprofits for for years now and so correct like and so how do you reconcile sort of your understanding that the system is broken with like working within it and what do you mean can you tell me a little bit more about this idea of not having the right to change some elements of it or all of it I think like in, in in terms of not having a right to change the elements, I would like to change the elements. I actually, I, I went for, through a phase where I was just like, I'm going to prepare to be an executive director. And, mm-hmm. um, and I wanted the skills. And that was like some of the last job that I had is gaining the skills so that I knew what operations was. Um, right. And I don't want to do that anymore. Um, I don't yeah. want to... I don't want to be another white lady who's at the helm trying to transform communities of color. That's in quotes. Um, because, yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Air because quotes I have here. no right. I am, I'm a white lady. I don't mm. know what communities of color need. I, I can listen and I can support, but I have no right to be at the, the, the head of that. Um, yes. Totally. Yeah. I, yeah. And I get that. And I, and I think that there's, I listened to that. I think this is going to date this episode and me, but I listened to that kind of nice white parents podcast. Uh, that I've would, never listened yeah. to it. I, I there were some I thought there were some interesting points, but it kind of talked about white parents invite inventing quote unquote like organizations that actually already exist within the community, and I think that there is a lot of redundancy within the nonprofit community, especially by like what you're saying, like upper middle class, middle class white women, or like super super upper class people who maybe have the means to just start a nonprofit by themselves. Because I'll tell you right now, starting a nonprofit takes a fuck ton of money. Like you. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you do need a shit ton of money to start a nonprofit when oftentimes there are nonprofits on a smaller scale, perhaps, or even a larger scale already operating within those communities by community members. And so why fucking start a new one or helm one that already probably uh, exists in a different form that's doing better work like already? Right. Just give your money to the people who are already doing it, the people in the community. It's like, but you want the credit for it. You want to speak for it. I don't know. I like. I don't yeah. understand that. And it's it goes to the whole idea of you have money because of systems. And like you can say, and like I talked to older white folks, like you worked for your money. Like you worked to get sure. where you are. But you were mm-hmm. also born a white person who has historically been able to buy houses, who has been, like, you have intergenerational wealth. Yes. Um, Like, maybe maybe you were an immigrant, but you don't have a trauma of not being white. You are not a person Mm -hmm. of color. So there's there's a lot of other stuff. Like, you were born lucky, and that is not your fault, but it's what you do with it. So you're saying, like, I know these things, and I can do this. You know what? Just give some of that money to a community, to, like, a community-based organization already doing the work or get down from your CEO fucking position of a money mongering, exploitive like company, and yeah. put your put your body where your big talk is. And I think that's like a lot of the hypocrisy is like I'm going to do all this, and I work for a large nonprofit, and it's like 
everything they bought was from Amazon. And it's just like, don't you understand that like right now, yes, but like think a little long term and understand that like the kids we're working with, their parents might be employees of Amazon and they're not allowed to unionize. They can't take lunch breaks. They're being put at risk for COVID. It's just like, think a little bit about more than this immediate gratification of I get something for cheaper or it's about me and my bottom line so that I can do other things. But no, it's just about you and your bottom line and you want to save money um, yeah, and you don't think about the next steps. Yeah, that's absolutely what it comes down to. And like that idea of very short sighted thinking when and I think that this kind of speaks to capitalism in a, in a larger sense or just feel individual or group philanthropy within um within capitalism but it's like uh i kind of lost my train of thought i'll be honest with you but uh yeah just buying something from like it's like oh i'm gonna buy from amazon like something that's gonna like help like ordering books to like help uh quote unquote help kids and i'm ordering them off of amazon where it's like i'm actually hurting i could be hurting them like you're saying in that i am supporting an organization that hurts their parents or people like their parents and um I don't know, man. We just like do- like we just like dove right in. We did not even take any sort of like <laughs> we didn't wade in. We jumped in. Okay, so okay, so getting back to it though, so you kind of were preparing to be an executive director. You were like, let me learn the skills. Let me see how what I can do here. Then you were like, this is not the life for me. And now, where do you find yourself? <laughs> Unemployed. Um- <laughs> <laughs> um I I don't know um I do know so from where we met and I like I actually really do believe in the work even though some of it like was problematic but I did see thinking happen and then to where I ended up and where laid me off because um of whatever reasons they thought they wanted to save some money or they actually dismembered my job so it's whatever um (laughs) I have feelings. Um, but it was very corporate. And I like, I, again, I wanted to get the skills and I wanted to see what a big nonprofit was like. And I just like, it hurt. Like all of that yeah. hurt. And I also, it's too expansive. And I do believe in grassroots movements. And I do believe in people have a voice. People have agency. No one needs to give it to them. And people need money. Um so I don't know. I actually, I want to work in a small community-based organization. I'd love to do international work again. But like, honestly, I I don't know if I have the right or like if it needs to be the right place that it's just, I, I do think that where we met is just like, this is what we have to offer. If you want it, great. If you want to change it, great. If you don't want yes. it, great. Um, mm-hmm. And really being, building a relationship so that people understand that this isn't like we're my my effort was not to say like hey i'm a white lady and i'm a white savior it's just like i don't know you, you we're going to figure this out together um, yeah absolutely and yeah that is incredibly challenging work and being like okay i am a tool i am a resource you know better what you're doing so like help me help like l- help me help you kind of almost the- i know that's a, that's a weird yeah, thing it's not I, help I mean- me it's help help us help you, but help society. But then also, um, are you pl- you're playing the, the, the listeners right like, now? Honest playing catch with their cat. <laughs> um, my cat is bringing me the top the top of the soda stream that you pop off um, because he oh. stole it from the top of the counter, which he knows he's not allowed to go on. But this oh. is also a really fun game. So. Is he it Big fetch. Boy or Andre? It's Big Boy. Big Boy is little, so we call him Little Big Boy because he's small. It's adorable. <laughs> he's adorable. Very mischievous, though. Aw. Um, yeah. Okay, wait. So where the fuck were we? Um, um, I said help me help help me help you, but it's more of a help us. It's like a together working thing it where is, you're kind but of it's admitting like, what you don't know. Yes, but it's also like where I struggled is like, do I have a right? Do like, does do we as Americans like, is this a form of neocolonialism? Even mm. saying like to young people, like you have a voice, like that's going in and disrupting somebody else's society and their culture. And yes, I inherently believe that like anybody should be able to do whatever they want to do as long as it is not causing harm to others. So if like 
girls want to learn how to read and not get married, I inherently strongly believe like, don't like, don't, don't get married, learn how to read, like go to school. But I also think that like, that's the do good mentality. Like I have Mm -hmm. no right to go into Pakistan and tell people that like, who am I? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, great question. I don't know. I'm sorry. Um, no, I. It's a really, it's a really good question. Good question to think about, like wh- how how to do international. Is there a way to do international work that that is as an American that is like ethical, moral, effective, uh, necessary? Like I don't, I I really don't know. <laughs> I mean, part of me is just like, well, we need to a give reparations to all the countries that we have robbed throughout the years um all colonial countries need to give back in money and resources get the fuck out of like all natural resources like we have no right to have own oil mines are like that's not it's not our place it's not our country get out and or like be mining for any kind of natural resources lithium diamonds whatever it is Mm -hmm. like that's not our business it's not our country we need to get out and pay people the right price and i think then once a lot of reparations have been paid and uh climate disaster (laughs) mitigation um let's not even go there but like all that stuff like then then oh oh, we can go there (laughs) there's no need for like do-gooding white women to go into somebody else's country and being like you should learn how to read Um, Yeah, exactly. Like things need to be if things happen, it's almost like a weird trickle down thing where it's like if uh, I know trickle down economics don't work. So why would trickle down? um, But but it's systemic change. We're not talking about like trickle down economics. We're talking about systemic change. So if countries make change at the top level in order to try to, um, uh, you know, pay like you're saying, pay reparations for their colonial disaster that have been wrought upon these various countries. then things will inevitably one would hope be I I don't know even the word better is very loaded but like the people will be more in control of their own destiny have more agency if we were just to back the fuck out and also like pay what we owe yes and then also like I don't know like I feel like it has to come with some like mitigation like education mitigation of like how not to be an asshole ruler because they've now learned mm. how to they've learned capitalism um yeah well us. that's the like, thing we are the most fucked up capitalist country and or i mean any of the colonizers so it's you have like the u.s i, I say everything bad has come out of the u.s spain um the uk portugal i don't remember why belgium belgium yeah for south africa yeah um so, and so much other shit, but like so much a lot, other- a lot of Europe that yeah. anybody that even Italy, like, because uh, I believe they held had one colony in Ethiopia, I believe, but I'm not um, exactly Eritrea. sure. Thank you. Um, so yeah, it's this thing almost where it's like, can we just? So we're talking about well, reparations being paid in the form of money, time, resources, and so what do those resources look like? One like, are those resources? Americans providing, you know, like it, it gets back to like the work of almost like a nonprofit. Like what do those resources look like? And, um, and I don't think it should be in the form of a nonprofit. I think it should be a governmental reparations that's worked out with that country. But like you're saying, like they, like capitalism has, you know, um, spread across basically all cultures and so how do you just be like deuces we fucked your shit up and now we're gonna go here's a bunch of money good luck using it you know like what is the responsible way to decolonize the places that we have just so royally fucked up easy (laughs) i don't i don't know and i'm going to say that right now i have no idea um so, listeners, uh, if you know the answer to that question, just write in, <laughs> I guess, to letshearitnetwork.com. Or uh, letshearit.network, excuse me. Um, but, so, obviously, oh, okay, this is also where it kind of gets, so my dad's an anarchist, and his whole thing is uh, not, 
I wish he was like really an anarchist. He's a he, he like told me not to get the vaccine because it would give me Bell's palsy. Like he's kind of a crazy person a little bit. Like okay. he he just but his whole thing is like do no harm. And I'm so down with that. Like do no harm. That's like the principle with which one should live. But if he were to hear our conversation, he would be laughing and saying that we were fucking idiots in kinder words or perhaps not depending on how many drinks had been had but like um i think that this idea of like don't don't tread on me it has to be also a like and i won't tread on you or don't do no harm uh to someone else like what am i trying to say is like basically there's almost like this place where like what is it called i'm sure there's a terminology for it where it's like the circle of political ideologies and the far far left and the far far right are actually not actually that far apart when it comes to um not ideology but when you're saying stuff like do no harm or like don't fuck with other people like the right can get really down with that it's like yeah don't fuck with other people right yeah don't give me a vaccine because like it's my body my choice but you know not when it comes to women and women's bodies exactly where it's like this whole idea of of agency is something that i think the the far right is like yeah agency i get to own as many guns and whatever i want and the left is like whoa no that's not what we're talking about and i think it comes down to a viewing of how you view systemic injustice and so like is there an acknowledgement that when i poison the water in the river near me it runs down and poisons your water i'm doing harm to someone else whereas uh perhaps more right-wing thinkers would say like well there's nothing i'm pouring i'm poisoning my own part of the water like or right below me it doesn't affect you you know what i mean it's like how large are you going to expand your thinking that's a really interesting concept i i mean i like the the young idealist in me who still like rings up sometimes is just like we are all so connected by screwing you over i'm also screwing myself over it's just like Mm -hmm. i think until we can see each other as like it's it sounds really really cheesy so please don't hold but like we have to see each other as family and so like i'm screwing you over because i'm trying to save my money because i want to do x y and z but really, I'm cheating you out of this. And if somebody did that to my sister, then I would be furious. So right. why do I have a right to do it to somebody who, like, I don't identify with or I don't, um, like, I have to see a little bit of myself in somebody else yes. so that there's some kind of, I'm not going to fuck with you. Okay, so obviously you are incredibly deep thinking systemically thinking politically engaged like desire to do and does grassroots activism but you're also like um a meditator like meditative you told me about this retreat that i was sometimes i lay awake at night thinking you know what i should do that and then i get really afraid um everyone should do it so tell people about this please so, um, it, again, I, so when I was in India, I just really made sure not to do like the whole eat, pray, love thing. And like, <laughs> I just, I got really mad at the chapter and I kind of stopped and I could be totally misremembering. And so I'm an asshole if I am, but I just remember that like Elizabeth Gilbert went to a meditation center and she was talking about how she meditated and all the mosquitoes were biting her and she didn't actually like move and she was talking about how luscious and green the meditation center was but like once you stepped outside of it like all the people were poor and I was like don't you see the problem here like (laughs) like uh, come on I I think I saw them part of the movie so I don't know exactly that sounds terrifying I'm picturing Julia Roberts doing that that's awful please stop Julia Roberts (laughs) um yeah so I, I had heard about this thing it's called Vipassana um and I don't know I like I think a lot of my life, I'm like, I'm just going to do this because when am I going to be able to do this again? And that like brought me to India, like le- it's led me on many an adventure and I'm, Fuck yeah. I don't take any of it back ever. Um, so it is a, you begin by going on a 10 day silent retreat. There is no reading, writing, music. You don't talk to anyone. You don't listen to anyone except for Goenkaji, who is, he learned this form of meditation, um, from somebody whose name I cannot remember right now, but he is, he took it back to India. He is an Indian, um, 
he was in Burma and he took it back to India after he learned it and he taught it to his family. And then other people are like, we want to learn this too. It didn't have, um, what I learned after is it didn't have such strict rules, but Americans in the seventies ended up having like sex and smoking all the time that he's just like, okay, I need to like put a rein on this. Um, people got too horny and they got too horny. cut it out. It was a lot. Um, and actually met some more quote unquote met. I went to like a, like a helping three day cleaning up the center in Massachusetts. And I met some of the folks and heard some of their stories. Um, anyway, not the point at all, but they, they're the ones who told the crazy stories anyway. Mm. Um, so it is a 10 day silent meditation and you learn how to experience letting go of things, but through your own body. So the idea of letting go is really hard. And there's these things that are called sankaras, which are things you hold on to. And they kind of like, if you think about like a lie is like, you don't know where the origin of the lie is anymore because you've created all these other things on top of it to be able Mm -hmm. to uphold it. So you've created this narrative of who you are in your head. Um, And it's built off of like maybe some childhood trauma and you don't even know, like it doesn't actually matter what the sankaras are, but it teaches you to let go. So you spend three days just concentrating on your breath. And then you learn how to do Vipassana. And there are deeper levels that I've never done. And I don't really have a desire to go into because, honestly, I don't do Vipassana. Like, when I'm at home enough, you're supposed to do it two hours every day. I did it for Mm -hmm. 20 minutes yesterday. um, And that was the first time in a really long time. He says, Gwenkaji says, if you cannot do it for um, an hour in the morning and an hour at night, then you need to do it for two hours in the morning and two hours at night because you're not taking enough time to really just let go. Um, and it's supposedly the purest form of Buddhism and what Gautama the Buddha practiced when he reached enlightenment. Fuck. Holy shit. That is, and and we're talking a day where you literally, you, well, you're quiet, quiet the whole time, but you are sitting and meditating. Yes. For a so, day. And you're, are you seated ten this days. entire time? Ten, well, right. But like 10 days in a row each day. It's, a full I wake eight up hours. at 4.30 and then it's four, there's a morning sit, breakfast, break, two afternoon sits, dinner, which is at like five or something. And if you are a returning student, you don't actually eat dinner. Um and then a night sit and then a, like a group teaching. And so now because um, um, he died in, I think it was 2013 or 2014, but all across the world, it's just done based off of his recordings and his, um, his discourses. And it, it's really, what I like about it too, is that it's not uh, mindfulness. And so a lot of the things that we mistake mm-hmm. as meditation, like we're like, I'm meditating. You're actually just doing mindfulness, which is useful. It's great. You know, be present, be here, concentrate on your breath, do like the whole Anapana meditation, which is just like breathing. Like that's great. Or there's other one where you like breathe in one nostril, breathe out the other and reverse fire breathing or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and Dragon it's valid. Breath. It's great. Yeah. Um, but it's also not meditation. So you are, being in the moment. And I think the cool thing about Vipassana is that it's unraveling a lot of your former knots. That, that sounds fascinating. I like that. Okay. I am doing, I do headspace that like little app or whatever. Oh, fun. I can barely get to 10 minutes without feeling like I want to crawl out of my fucking skin and it's like I'm listening to my breath and I'm trying to like note my thoughts and like have a clear mind like is the goal of this type of meditation obviously to unravel those those knots and and get rid of those whatever just like clear yourself out emotionally and spiritually but like so are is is the teacher like saying lots of things throughout it to guide you or you're just sitting there you're just sitting there so there's instruction in the beginning like what you need to do and then you do that for an hour and you like you learn like in the beginning I think I got up like every five minutes I'm like oh I'm falling asleep or oh I need some water like but as you practice and tend it's um what Glenkaji says is that you need to cut someone so deep that there is a scar. Like you are not the same afterwards. 
Wow. Um, and so that's why it's the 10 days. That's why it's so intense. Um, he often talks about like people who are alcoholics or cigarette smokers, like they just don't do it anymore because you have been cut so deep. Um, I don't think it actually works for like, it's, it is very transformative and I, I like, I, I don't know what it's like to like be so afflicted with something, but I do know it, it, it fundamentally changed me enough. I've done two 10 day retreats and I've done one like three day help something or other. Mm. And from the first one, like my outlook of things has changed and I've like been able to live a little bit easier. That is incredible. Holy shit. I, I'm just mind like this whole conversation has just been blowing my mind. Cause like what the hell that sounds amazing i feel like i don't have any faith that i would be able to like accomplish that and it also reminds me of the i've i'm forgetting the step but like um in aa like where you like um apologize to people who Mm -hmm. have wronged you it's like the same sort of what what did you call them like wounds sankatas sankatas if i'm mispronouncing it like i'm that horrible white lady who's like Sankaras. Um, <laughs> well, and what does that mean in English? Because that's in, is that in Hindi, Sanskrit? It is in um, Pali, which is okay. the language of Buddha. Um, and so all like the chants and everything is in Pali. Um, okay. And I and don't remember. It it, it, it It's basically like the things you hold on to. The things you hold on to, right? It, there, the there's actually a word for it, but I don't Mm. Yeah, well, <laughs> the, the, the listeners can Google, but yeah, yeah like yeah. just letting letting go of those things you hold on to, like that sounds absolutely incredible. Um, yeah, I feel like I'm gonna uh, meditate tomorrow morning. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, well, that's it's it's almost. I hate to say this, but it's almost encouraging that you don't do it all the time. Like you could get through a 10 day meditation retreat and multiple three day like silent retreats uh and still not be like perfect at meditating there's one time i went there this this is my second one there was a couple and they've been doing it for 25 years and they meditate for an hour in the morning and an hour at night whoa please that's amazing and like there's a lot of time executives and like all these other it's just like you have to make time And and it's kind of like make time for yourself you are the most important person in your life Mm hmm Mm-hmm. This is me preaching to myself because. <laughs> yes, yeah. you are the most important person in your life. Well, yeah, okay. So, but so to bring it back to a more like human level here. So you're unemployed. How are you feeling? I was um, just unemployed for like eight months. And so I know that it can be a journey. It How is a journey. It is. <laughs> um, I had some struggles getting unemployment. So I was freaking out in the beginning. Yeah. Um, you know, the weekly check is nice. Um, yes. I So I started pottery, I guess, a year before the pandemic started. Maybe a little more? About a year? I don't know. Something like that. And the studio had just opened back up. And I was like, well, you know, I need something to do because I will go crazy. Um, yes. So I started making a lot of pottery. And I opened up an Etsy store, which is also great and problematic at the same time. And Plug that shit. Plug it. Uh, a Seastone Ceramics. Uh, you can find me on Etsy. Instagram is on a Seastone. There is another Seastone who I tried to reach out to her. No shade. I might have come across as like a, sh- a like crazy lady, but Seastone <laughs> is not a common name. And I was like, we must be related because it's like a Swedish uncommon name. So at yeah, some C-stone way, shape, uncommon. or form, we are and- related. And then she ignored me after that. But she is also a ceramicist and she's in Hawaii. So look up a sea stone as opposed to just sea stone a sea stone and that's yeah. where you can find all of your gorgeous pottery so well, thank you, you thank you it's absolutely beautiful so pottery has pottery been keeping you sane throughout and you throw at a local studio i do um it is a real. it's a it's a very sweet studio it's super small um i started just like helping out i learned how to load a kiln and mix glazes which is really really exciting um, but it's definitely keeping me sane and I've had uh, several like horror stories where I've made it to final rounds of interviews and then like been, I've been ghosted by nonprofits going back to how nonprofits suck. I've Ugh. been ghosted. Like I've done a project. I've written a memo. First of all, who the fuck writes a memo in a small nonprofit? 
I want to know. What the fuck is a memo, honestly? <laughs> like, isn't it just a, like, attention everyone? Is that like a hey everybody email? It, yeah, but it was like writing it to the executive director and the position was chief program officer. And I was like, basically, you're like buddy who you talk to every day. Like, you have to write a memo. Like, I, I'm 37 years old and professionally have never written a memo. <laughs> That's fucking crazy. So, but you, anyway, they ghosted me. You were me. ghosted. That is ridiculous. Like that, and uh, um, nonprofits notoriously bad at hiring, uh, paying, firing, really any sort of HR related. If there, if there is an HR, right? Um, yeah, they didn't have an HR, and so like every every rejection, I, I emailed them three times just because like I wanted the satisfaction of officially being rejected. Yes. Um, and the third one, they were just like, oh, um, thank you, and keep an eye in case we have any openings in the future. I was like, I don't want to work here. Like, you <laughs> no. guys are suck at this, and you were rude. Like, I had to follow up with you three times over the course of a month, and when you said, like, we'll email you by Friday. That's fucking ridiculous. And they're not, they're not alone. They're not alone. Yeah. Um... I'm sorry that you've been having those horrible hiring experiences. That's what I have to say. <laughs> Anna just farted. That was a real fart. Yeah, a real one from my mouth. From your mouth. <laughs> so so how, in what ways do you find ceramics meditative? Um, I find them mindful. As in, if you're, your hands, like if you're not actually concentrating, and there is a point where I've come to like, things my hands are doing the things and I don't have to think I don't have to like coach myself through every step um in some steps I still do most of the time I still like count when I wedge which is the thing that you do before you put the clay on the wheel Mm -hmm. um but like I'm like 20 19 18 um (laughs) that's fun though yeah I am also and I'm also realizing I feel like I uh we skipped over a step of how meditation and mindfulness are different can we just pause and say like what's the difference between those um, so from my understanding, and I could be wrong, totally open to being wrong about everything all the time, um, is that mindfulness really makes you present and it makes you, it like, it'll calm your heartbeat, it'll calm your breath, but it's not necessarily getting to the root of why you are anxious in the first place. Mm, um, it's more of a band-aid. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But um, true meditation is, like, actively searching for the things that wound you so that you can, like, untie them. Exactly. Beautiful. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Very cool. So cool. Thank you for that aside. We are moving (laughs) back. We're in Ceramicsville now. So you're, like, throwing, making gorgeous stuff and mindful. And what sort of things that you're – are you – you made something the other day and referred to it as, like, a celebration vase or, like, a – Oh, there was an accolade vase. What the fuck is that? Oh, well, I didn't know. So my friend made me make a TikTok, and so I made a TikTok, <laughs> and I'm like, AC stones, AC stone ceramics. I have no idea, actually. Uh, something <laughs> like that. Um, and so I like made a TikTok account, and she like coached me through how to do it. And I'm like, I TikToked. Like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I you like, TikToked. You were wedging. You're TikToking. Yeah. You're yeah, killing. I know lingo. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, <laughs> So somebody wrote, like, can you make an accolade vase? And so, of course, I Google it. And it's um, kind of looks like an old school, what you would have in, like, a James Bond, what they pour their whiskey out of. Yeah. Um, and But it's a vase, so it's not. Um, so, so, yes. No, and it has, like, a thin neck and kind of a big butt, right? Well, it, it, so it's the base is thin, it bulges out, and then it gets like thin again, and like ah, has yes. a top. And so why is it? <laughs> and so why is it called? Do you know why it's called an accolade base? No clue. I researched it, and it's usually like it's usually metal first, and silver or gold. Mine well, is blue. That <laughs> a well, denim blue. <laughs> whatever you know, what blue is a very celebratory color. Exactly. Uh, that is so that's so neat i think ceramics are just the coolest and like most they're one of the most exciting forms of art that i have done and enjoy viewing others doing and enjoy owning too like there's something about just holding a piece of ceramics in your hand that's just so fucking awesome 
It's really cool too because I've never been a fine arts person. Um, like I've always been within like the arts generally, mm-hmm. like music or um, dance, but I've never like painted or draw- drawn. I didn't draw. Like, I, I don't have any like technical skills in that. And I can do this and it feels really good. There's a bunch of, it's mostly women at the studio, but there's specifically like a, a couple of women. And I was like, wow, I can't do that because they draw <laughs> on the ceramics or they have like these ideas for designs. And I'm like, I will just make the things <laughs> and I will do what do I can and I will make yeah. them beautiful as I can. Um, mm-hmm. But you're cr- like, the other thing I really like about it is that you're creating space. Like there's a block of something and you are not crafting it, like you're not putting it together, but rather you're digging a hole, or at least for wheel throwing. It's like you're yeah. digging, you're creating space. Yes, absolutely. You are actively creating space. Yeah. And I think it's that, beautiful. Like, that is beautiful. It's nice. I like well, it. that is so, that is so lovely and beautiful. I just, ah, well, mm. I feel like my mom right now. Just I feel like I feel like my mom running into her friend at the grocery store, and her friend at the grocery store was telling her about her kids, and my mom was just like, "Oh, fabulous! That's so great. That's, uh, so fantastic!" Um, but it is fantastic, and your stuff, your work is absolutely gorgeous, and um, I love that idea of of just like creating space and creating negative space, and like it seems like so you also are drawn to like you're a dancer and a musician and those are all very like tactile forms of of art do you still dance do you still play um I don't um dancing I did salsa dancing for a really long time um really long time as in like a few years um like within (laughs) like formal classes I would always go out and like dance but like like actually taking classes and stuff like that um and then I do a martial art called capoeira which is a form it's like a mixed dance like there's people in that can, who cannot dance and ha- who have no rhythm but like it, it it has flow and aspect to it and so I pandemic you know pause yes. um, and then music I grew up doing and I also found this really cool article recently about how music like learning music as a young person actually transforms your brain so you can you're like the neuro something with your neurons learn differently and I actually attribute and I've always said the reason why I was good at languages is because I started music at five um, wow piano I, was, I started piano yeah mm-hmm. um not recorder I think my- <laughs> I then transitioned to trumpet so I don't know like <laughs> definitely like made some angry neighbors there um but like I, I can speak languages and I have like I was in a Spanish chat room today on um what is it called? House party chill chat. House uh, party. Yeah. Yeah. Um Clubhouse. 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 Um, because when you're bored and unemployed and you're like, Oh, what's going on in Clubhouse? Yeah. Um and they asked if I was from Argentina. And I was like, No, but you know, I, I like I hear like I can just hear you're- things. Um that, oh wait were you speaking like you were spe- is clubhouse He's, speaking rather well, than typing though the clubhouse room it's like chat rooms essentially but oh, oh, oh without right, right, right. words i mean without typing so it's like uh uh no no video it's audio chat chat rooms essentially oh okay cool so you your accent and your cadence like that's the thing about about languages like the cadence and the mm-hmm. rhythm and all mm-hmm. that stuff that's like so so musical yeah and so Anyway, I found this really cool article the other day, and I was like, "Wow, oh, look at that!" And apparently, like people who continue to learn music, their like their brain neurons work differently. They live longer, or they like wow. not smarter, but like the whole alignment between music and math is like I never had to study until I got to like calculus, and I was like, "Fuck this!" Um, <laughs> but like it just made like I can just do it. Like mental math is easier for me, and I don't think it's because I'm good at math. It's because I had to learn theory and ear training and yeah. Music. Well, also, I think visualization is a huge part of it, too. Like, I feel like at least to some extent, I don't know, I play I play like four songs on guitar, but I feel like I have to visualize it sometimes or like Mm. create the space in my brain where I'm you're 
I'm closing my eyes right now, listeners, but like I'm closing my <laughs> eyes and pretending to play guitar. But like, I feel like I'm constant. I, I think it engages. What I'm trying to say is that it does engage so many different parts of your brain. And so when you're called to do kind of really complex tasks, like speaking a language or complex mathematics, like your brain is already like, ah, oh, I've done this before. I can like go right. into this very complex way of thinking. Exactly. Well, that's fucking neat as shit. It's so, also like you, people who are who grew up multilingual and like the idea of like they're registering so many more things than folks who grew up just speaking one language. Also, back to like the neocolonialist conversation mm-hmm. and just like whatever is I worked with kids in India. There was kids who spoke five languages, five like they were learning. Whoa. They were 10 years old and they were learning their fifth language. And we want to go teach people things like, <laughs> yeah, it's like. We're fucking dumbasses. Like these kids are learning so many languages or are can speak so many languages at home. And we still see it as like a weakness today when talking about like bilingual. We don't even call them like bilingual students. It's like English learners. You know, they're exactly. not they're not bilingual. It's like, oh, they're a little bit behind on their English. It's like they could speak a whole other. They could speak two languages or like one and are learning another. But like it t- completely invalidates like their home language or them being completely fluent in already a language exactly it's a little it's very demeaning it is Um, and it it just like reinforces the like language like the language we use to talk about things reinforces the white supremacist norm yes absolutely I mean, okay, so this, so we need to end soon, but so after all of this, we've talked about the good, the beautiful, the art, we've talked about the the bad, the colonial, the ugly, like how optimistic or pessimistic about your own situation, like your own life and like just the fate of the world do you feel right now? to end on a nicer tone the fate of the world is really fucking scary um yeah i will say like it is absolutely frightening i definitely go through i don't have depression um but i think i go through these waves sometimes where i start thinking about things and i like become very very paralyzed Um, yeah i don't think that we are being told the truth I think if you like take Trump for an example, like he didn't want to tell the truth about COVID because he didn't want to scare people. Like that actual mentality of I don't think that people are telling us how fucked this planet is mm-hmm. for humans, yeah. um, and that frightens me so much. And then I do hear some like articles that there are machines trying, like they're developing machines that will capture carbon and not just like right. But I don't know. I don't know if like people will continue to put profits over like short-term profits over long-term like sustainability of this world because they don't care and they actually don't care about like their children or their grandchildren or like younger siblings they don't care because all they're looking for is to how to make their like their other million trillion dollars it's Mm -hmm. like what do you what do you do with all this money what um, do you do with all this money? And yeah, it is all just like to the quarter. That's all you're thinking about is the right. next quarter, the next fiscal quarter. Also, like, isn't Jeff uh, Jeff Bezos worth like like eighty billion dollars or something like he that? He could give. I think it was he could give healthcare or pay for vaccines for everybody. He could give like everybody. I don't even know how much money, and you would still be the richest man in the world. Like, how the fuck is that even? possible i know how it's possible but how can he as a human being feel comfortable having that level of wealth because he's crazy and he wants he wants to be spock and not spock um captain picard and he wants to build Uh, a spaceship and he wishes he fucking wishes he could be captain picard i'm a big star trek fan okay and i i putting those two in the same sentence ah there's an article from the atlantic which is a controversial magazine i think um it tries um, but there is one about Jeff Bezos trying to be Picard and it was very enlightening. And I was like, oh, he's batshit crazy. Shit. Well, was it painting Captain Picard as a negative figure? Obviously, No, they're... no. It was oh. painting Bezos as like, wow. Wow. 
<laughs> he's a nut job. Yeah. Well, fuck. I, well, okay. So, and I think you were alluding to very heavily climate change as being a huge source of. Yes. Yeah. What's going to fuck us over deeply. Yes. I also think like COVID, I mean, along with climate change and like there with the warming of the planet, other diseases are going to come out of the woodworks and we're yep. going to like all the anti-vaxxers, anti-maskers, like they're going to ruin it for everyone. Like yeah. herd immunity doesn't work unless we reach herd. And I read that the majority of Trump uh, Trump voters do not plan to get the vaccine. Yeah, and like lucky, like I live in New York City, and it's very. Although I did see a pro-Trump um, rally a couple times, which was interesting. Hmm. Where at? Um, one was in Brooklyn, and one was in Manhattan. One I saw on the news, and the other one mm. I realized was like, oh, this, these are Trumps, and it's by um, <laughs> by a uh, uh, Barclay Center. Oh, wow. Uh. The, uh. Well, you run into people everywhere. Um, But um, I don't know. Then we're coming full circle now. Full circle. We're coming full circle back to this, the political discussion. Um, Or it's it's so much larger than than politics. But so for you personally, like your, how are you feeling about your life right now? Um. I've always, like, no matter what trauma I've gone through, I've always been, like, I will be okay. Like, I know Mm -hmm. that I will be fine. This is really shitty. Like, I got an email today from a a job I applied for where she was like, I'm going to send you a test. Not like, I I think I might, or, you know, if you make it to the next step, like, I'm going to send it to you. Followed up a week after, followed a week after that, like, never got anything. And then she Mm -hmm. sends me an email today saying... I really enjoyed meeting you virtually and reading your thoughtfully crafted answers to our task. And I was like, hey, lady, you never gave me an actual task. Like, <laughs> Who so, was this like, email supposed to go to? Like, right. <laughs> so uh, it, it's just ridiculous. And um, like my sister says, like, I'm they, they're doing me a favor. Like, I don't want to work for this place. I don't want to work for a place yes. that, like, doesn't – that ghosts you. I don't want to work for a place that – it uh, doesn't take the time out, especially like if you haven't interviewed, whatever. Um, but if, especially if you have interviewed, I think it's your responsibility to be kind to the people that you are not taking on. Yeah, because um, it's that it's so easy. It's just a like, we're not moving forward with you. It's like right. and then the person can like live and let live, like just like, let me go. Let me be free. Exactly. I can see that's why I I love that you chase down the like just tell me no like just tell me no already you know exactly mm. um so I will find something eventually um I think just finding the right thing um for me yes. and for the organization unfortunately like I don't know anything else besides nonprofits I do I'm never going to work for a large nonprofit again though really? like I, yeah. I will I it will be very uh I will. I would be very surprised if I did. I'm not applying to any big ones just because mm-hmm. I don't think that they. At least I haven't found, and I, if there is one, I would be very happy to apply. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't think I've found any that really respect communities in the way that I think communities, and and given and giving them, like uh, the agency that they actually have, and say like, okay, you do your, you do you. Um, yes. Yeah. Well, I know that you will find that. Um, Thank you. And that was so beautifully said. And unfortunately, we're at time right now. But Anna, thank you so much. Do you have any final thoughts that you want to leave us with, other than other than that? Um. Thank you, you for having me. It's my first, you know, <laughs> podcast. I feel very honored and special to be on page by page. Oh, um, you are rocking it. I feel honored as well. It's very mutual. Um, I guess like, I don't know if anybody who is not listening, who is listening to you is probably like already in this mindset. It's just like, just think, think about how you can do no harm. And yes. Like, like past your, the immediate, like I'm not doing like, this isn't wrong, but like think, mm-hmm four steps ahead and I like it's hard I don't play chess I'm bad at chess because I cannot think four steps ahead but I'm trying so just try try just try I love that that's a great message just friggin try everybody give it just try and don't make excuses for yourself 
Yeah. You're like, oh, but I work so hard. Well, maybe, uh, maybe. I'm full maybe. of excuses. I'm full of excuses too. <laughs> but wait, but try to try to try try and try to get rid of the excuses. Yeah, and then just don't do bad things to people. I like, think I just imagine a... it was your sister or your brother or like anybody in your life. It, yes. it was somebody in your life. Imagine their family. Like yeah. imagine we're all family. Yeah. Well. Anna, for for a pod, a podcast that was full of all kinds of uh, sharp critiques, I'm glad that we're landing on this soft, uh, loving Me note. Too. Um, but thank you, <laughs> thank you so much again for being here. Um, once again, people can check out your ceramics at a C stone, spelled how it sounds, like an ocean, Ceram- like an ocean, ocean sea, and then a stone um, like a rock. You know. Yep, a C stone ceramics and. Um, and Arte, would you just tell us about Arte really quickly? Oh, Arte. Um, Arte is this amazing thing. Speaking of nonprofits, is an organization that I am on the board for. And it is a arts and human rights organization. So teaching young people that they have human rights um, through art um, and oh, murals yes. and discovery of who are artivists and you can be an artivist. And it's an, this amazing organization. It's super teeny tiny and it really, really tries to do everything right. Um, yes. And I love it. And I'm very honored to be a part of it. So check it the fuck out. A-R-T-E, Arte. ArteJustice.org. ArteJustice.org unbelievable organization we're talking like small community oriented like grassroots organization that's doing the work Arte is what's up um and honest what's up so anyway thank you so much again for being here it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much Paige and thank you to all you listeners out there and uh this has been another episode of Page by Page see you soon bye